Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mixing It Up with Maggie. My name is Maggie, and thank you guys for listening. Um, this is our second um, storytelling episode. Our first one was on La Silampa, which was last week. As you guys know, I'm doing this uh, storytelling um, series between um, and here in the month of October because I figured that I should combine two of my passions, which are folklore and you know, scary stories. You guys know I'm a big horror fan and it is horror month, I guess, in October. Um, but during October, we also celebrate um, Hispanic Heritage Month. So I figure we can combine those things and learn a little bit um, of scary stories from Latin America. Here with a recent, like, addition, I feel like addition to my project. I feel like I, I'm, a, I'm a talent seeker now. I feel like I have that thing and I just go around asking people, hey, you know, you sound smart and interesting. <laughs> Come on my show. <laughs> so um, I'm here with Crystal. Not to be confused with my best friend Crystal, who you guys um, heard about um, during my episode on being an artist. But this is uh, another Crystal. I guess that's like a name of creative people. I don't know. <laughs> but um, my name is Crystal, um, and I am a documentary filmmaker. I focus on Latino issues, um, and right now I'm working on a project um, about like space and like what is home and where is home, focusing on Latino restaurants in Philadelphia. I didn't know that there was um, th there's a lot of Latino restaurants in Philadelphia. I feel like oh, when I hear Latino, I'm, I'm always th either thinking of east or west coast like i don't think of anything in between those but there are uh yeah so the community of latinos in philadelphia are mostly on kind of the outside of philadelphia because there's a lot of gentrification there um so it'll be like south philly west philly north philly honestly to all the sides of philadelphia um but there's this place called norristown um that is more of it has a lot of you know people of color that live there and it's not such a nice neighborhood but I think that they have a lot to offer there um and the people there are very interesting so that's where I'm focusing right now so it's actually um interesting that you're you're doing that kind of project and now we're doing this thing about folklore because um I think with folklore not only are you learning um about language and culture and whatever, but also you get, in a way, I guess, um, the sense of the location. I think last week's story on La Silampa, which I, I was briefly um, telling you about earlier, um, had to do with like this fear of the night. This, you know, and um, I don't know about your family, but I guess most of Latino immigrants that come here um, are not from like this, you know, huge like privileged background and they live in places where it was told to them at a certain point of the day you can't go out and you know there's like a lot of like corruption and then there's you know this side that also last week we learned about um, um, for example like in Panama but there's also uh, all over Latin America there's a lot of people that practice like um, voodoo and witchcraft and like this other kind of realm and area and um, it's like I feel like Latin America has like the which I actually I think of just like Latin culture it's just like a mixture of so many things because then we have like you know this kind of um 
Native American rituals and stuff that we still practice and do. But then there's also, you know, the the um, the European influence and now American, obviously like American influence in our culture, and that sense of, I guess, like that kind of contextual sense of space. Where are we, kind of, and the fact that um, a lot of places, um, I was learning about this, how there's certain Latin American countries that there's more, for example, I think it's El Salvador, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, there's more Salvadorians here, like a di- diaspora, than there actually are in their country, which I think it's so, like, fascinating. And then what happens to that space? Like, who's there now? And it's usually big corporations and they're making now the people that live there have a completely different sense of story than the people that come here and I don't know what do you think about that well I think the beautiful part of Latino culture is that we have so many different influences whether it's you know African there's even large populations of Asian people in South America and that all comes together to create this really beautiful culture I think Um, and particularly us being you know first second generation in the United States we're creating new stories here we are helping to widen the English language and honestly just western ideology because we are here now and we exist and we're making ourselves known um, in a way that before we were just colonized and now we're trying to get over that um and I think horror in a way um sort of combats colonization um because like actually horror movies do very well in Latin America because of religion and the fact that Catholicism is just has you know been instilled by uh, conquistadores and I really think the fact that we (laughs) like horror movies even though you know it kind of goes a little bit against what Catholic religion is about is a way of rebelling I mean we have amazing horror film directors that come out of Latin America for that reason you know and speaking of horror and also (laughs) going back to space we do have this um really great story for you guys um about this uh horror house kind of like la casa embrujada and um it comes from peru where your family is from um were you told about this story before or did you kind of discover it um through like this assignment kind of thing that i kind (laughs) of i kind of gave everybody like an assignment to look at scary stories from latin america especially like where they're from Um, Yeah, so I never actually heard about this house. Um, It's supposed to be in Lima. I'm not quite sure where, but online it kind of talked about it being in the center of Lima. So, I mean, I just feel like colonized countries just have such history in their past, and a lot of it is kind of horrific because in the story... um, it's the owner of the house who is very rich that abuses his servants. And I mean, that could be a metaphor for, you know, yeah, so many things, but 
you know, if you're going to think about it as a rational story, they're probably like a rich Spaniard that got murdered by like our brown ancestors, basically. All right. So um, we're ready to listen to um, uh, the story. So here we go. This is um, La Casa Matusita. La Casa Matusita. Hay muchas leyendas urbanas que hablan de acontecimientos terribles que tuvieron lugar en casas abandonadas o habitadas. Las casas se envuelven de misterio por los testimonios de personas que afirman haber visto sombras en las ventanas, oído gritos terroríficos y, lo peor, ver fantasmas pasando por algunos vacíos y habitaciones de la casa. En el Perú, una de las casas más misteriosas se encuentra en Lima, la llamada Casa Matusita. Es sin duda la casa embrujada por excelencia que por décadas ha causado terror en la población de Lima, pues existen varios testimonios e historias increíbles. ¿Qué sucedió en la casa matrucita? ¿Es verdad que está maldita o es una mentira que se transmite de generación en generación? ¿Qué hay en esta casa extraña? La casa matrucita es una casa de tamaño considerable, de dos pisos de altura. Al parecer, solo en el segundo piso es donde estos presuntos fenómenos paranormales ocurren. Con el tiempo, solo el primer piso fue ocupado por las empresas, como ahora por un banco. Sin embargo, nadie parece atravesarse a ocupar el segundo piso. Y, lo que se sabe como mito de los que creen, de los que lo han hecho, nadie salió con vida. O, en el mejor de los casos, han sufrido una serie de trastornos y tormentos. La leyenda oficial de los creyentes es que en esta casa vivía un hombre que maltrataba a sus dos únicos sirvientes. Un día, cuando el dueño de la casa ofreció un almuerzo a algunos invitados, los empleados colocaron una sustancia en los alimentos, no para matar a su jefe, sino causar trastorno mental. Después que los platos se sirvieron, aquellos criados esperaron en la cocina para ver los resultados de su plan macabro. De repente se escuchó ruidos y gritos que provenían de la habitación. Creyendo que todo había resultado favorable, los trabajadores corrieron a la habitación. La imagen era aterradora. Cuerpos mutilados por todas partes. Sangre de las paredes, sobre la mesa, sobre el piso. Todos los invitados, entre ellos su jefe, había encontrado en esa cena una muerte trágica, violenta y terrorífica.
este sentido, la leyenda varía. Al igual que otros dicen que eran sus propios siervos. La criada, la criada y el mayordomo, quienes mataron a su jefe mutilándolo con sus propias manos. Según esta versión, los empleados optaron por prender fuego a la casa, la cual curiosamente nunca se quemó. Los criados fueron condenados a pasar su vida en un manicomio. We just listened to the story, um, La Casa Matusita. I have to say, first of all, um, you have a lovely voice, um, and I like the pace of it, and I feel like maybe I choose people to come on my show based on how their voice sound or how I think their voice might sound, may sound on the podcast. But anyways, going back to the story, the first thing that I thought about when I read it was, I don't know if you've ever seen American Horror Story, but um, this series um, on FX, American Horror Story, the first season, which I still think is the best, um, which was the um, Haunted House, was the best. And it, that's what it reminded me of. It was like this house where something something awful happened, and then it, that, that negative energy kind of took over, and it became the house. Um, even though you told us the original story, um, I'm going to put the link down below, obviously, But in that same article, you know, not, not to make, you know, this podcast super long, but during the rest of the article, it actually breaks down different victims or like what happens years later and why this house is still haunted, um, which again reminded me of the haunted house because every person that walked in there, something bad happened to them and the people kept coming in and for generation and generation, this house existed and the energy kind of stayed there. Nothing else to that. Um, really resonated with me was just like I don't know I don't know if you you know like when you're watching a movie or you're reading a book and your main character or your main characters they do something wrong but you're still kind of with them you're like yes yes for them because when I read the story and it was like okay so obviously they're you know they were slaves or you know they say criados but come on they were slaves were slave and their master whatever was like super mean and super you know abusive towards them so of course they're gonna do something to them and it's like yes it was horrific but at the end don't you feel like a little satisfied like yes like they got him or something i don't know they got the white man um <laughs> and that's what it that's what it reminded me of um this kind of satisfying kind of revenge horror story Um, which are always like the most complicated ones because again you're you're torn between yes you want them to pay but at the same time at what cause thing within this within the story that that you found um, interesting or that it resonated in terms of like your culture or just le just hearing it what does it make you think about well I think the most interesting thing about houses that have like possessed spirit or you know just a spirit that stays there is the fact that it keeps continuing on and it's kind of another metaphor uh for the continued colonialism of south america by the u.s the fact that 
you know, Latinos can even call themselves Americans. And, you know, white people in the U.S. claim that and they hold on to that when, you know, our families have been on this land, on this continent for so long. And yet we don't we don't get that privilege. We have to call ourselves Latinos and they will call us Hispanics. And that's insulting in a different way. But but I think another aspect of kind of hauntings that is interesting is the fact that you know life continues after death even if it's a sinister version of life i think people always want there to be some sort of a consequence to to actions and in this case it's you know the fact that they killed you know this person who was abusing them and but the servants are still being haunted by that and it's kind of like you sometimes just can't get away from bad things but you know i also think that a lot of uh, horror stories are about redemption um about setting things right and you know, I think this is a story, again, about, you know, colonialism. You can't really escape it. Even when it kills you, even when you kill it, it will come back and haunt you and kill you. I really like the fact that you made that connection because this is why I really like folk folklore is because you just, you learn so much about um, the culture and the history and the language of, of uh, this group of people that came up with this story, came up with this narrative. But also the fears and the worries and, you know, the struggles that they're going through are expressed through these stories. Definitely, because um, going going back to, um, you know, if, I'm going to put the link down below. But in the first episode, we, we spoke about um, this kind of recurring um, theme um, of, like, don't go out at night or living in an unsafe um, place is because you know the people that came up with these stories they they were i feel like these stories came during that time of colonization of like we're trying these are like the the lures or the tales that we tell our children and they tell their children and all that stuff for us i think we see it as like ooh like this scary story or like it's just a tale but for a lot of people this was the way that they were able to keep themselves safe um and then going back to um, colonization I also think of like um, we don't even know if this was like the, the land itself like probably where the where the house was built was probably the ancestors of the servants like that that's what we're, I'm, I'm thinking of so for somebody to come in and like take over your land take over everything um, you know you can I feel like you also go crazy if somebody comes in right now into your house and say, well, from now on, you're not going to speak this language. You're not going to do this. Uh, you know, I've been reading up a lot on, on, on Puerto Rico b- because of everything that's going on with, um, like, the lack of help and all that stuff that's going on there. Um, and the h- how how Puerto Rico became a colony of the United States. And it's that it, it, it was literally insane. It was just, like, somebody that came in and was like, okay, from now on, you're not allowed to speak Spanish. You're not allowed to learn about your own culture. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. And then that space gets kind of corrupted and there's no space for you. So you kind of, you know, 
have like these um, kind of side uh, stories and other ways of keeping your culture, um, no matter what, whether it is through music, through you know writing, whatever it is, art and folklore, it's a it's another way to um, to keep your to keep your culture from being somewhat corrupted by the you know like the 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 conquistadors the 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 people that come in and usually white people that come in and say from now on this is my space so going back to where we're talking about the, the generations and generation in this story in particular it doesn't end which the other stories I felt like the other folklore that I read they always have like an ending at the end they have like a solid ending and then this one was so mysterious because we don't know for sure you know um what happened to the servants I guess like they, uh, we know that they went crazy and then the legend goes that every time somebody walks into the door something happens where they themselves a lot of the people that went in um got committed to like asylums and other and other places um I think, and maybe you think I'm reaching, but I think it also has to do with like, maybe like how our culture, Latino culture in general, how we treat mental illness in a way as well. Like um, the fact that they, these servants, they they gave the owner, they didn't even wanna kill the owner. They wanted to make him, I guess, as crazy and feeling maybe the same feeling that they were feeling about being trapped or being abused or whatever. And it was through like this, what was it like a pill or some sort of something that they put into the food and then it's like this legend of like if you walk into this house you're gonna go crazy like a lot of stories were made for people to understand that the world that they're in and the circumstances that they're in and horror stories are just like another way of expressing that um and as for mental illness um you know it's it's very hard for our parents and for immigrants and for people in Latin America to accept a lot of things because they've been, again, colonized to think the same thing for years and years and generations. And, you know, it's hard to break out of that when you still have, you know, the U.S. coming in and overthrowing your government culture shock when people come to the U.S. because it's just so different. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this, but, you know, like, how do you break out of years of your mind being colonized, you know? Because when conquistadores came in, they made sure that we didn't speak, you know, native languages. We didn't have native religions. And, you know, Catholicism rules Latin America and it continues to be like the number one religion in Latin America, you know, for a reason, because that's another form of control is religion. Um, that's, you know, a lot of reasons why our issues of like feminism and mental illness, because they just don't like some people just don't think it's real because they've just been conditioned to think that it's not real, you know? Like, if, and this is another way that kind of horror stories can get involved is that, you know, it's just like, you're possessed by the devil. You're not depressed. 
or you're you're not, you know. And that has its stem in Catholicism for a reason, you know. So, like horror movies and honestly story stories in general are all based in reality and based in truth. In some way, they are a metaphor for our own life and existence and a coping mechanism for children and even for adults. So, and I think this story is a good example of that. I do have to um, thank my professor, Professor Pinedo from Hunter College, um, because she was the one who taught um, horror film when I was there. And um, all of the stuff that we are talking about and, and that you mentioned right now about um, horror and storytelling and and why do we have them and all that stuff. It's you can. It was also learned in that in that class. Um, but yeah, if you're listening, thank you so much, Professor. I feel like I definitely read the story completely, completely different now. Um, so, anyways, um, any final thoughts on like, you know, um, maybe what you learned from the story, or um, you think that you're gonna tell your parents about this story that you read up on it, and <laughs> you're gonna be like, well, this is what I learned today. This, it was all Maggie's fault. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm. I'm gonna share this story with my parents. Um, maybe they know about the house, or maybe they're like, "No, that's fake." <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, some people believe in. Or they're like, you know what? Um, we don't talk about that here. Or like, some, you know what I mean? Like, some people don't want to bring their old stories here because you know, brings them memories or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but also Latinos are so superstitious that, you know, like, if you believe it, it's real. So maybe they, I don't know whether they believe it. Um, but yes, I will definitely share it with my family. Um, anyways, thank you so much, Crystal, for um, sitting here with me, surrounded by books. We are, again, in my favorite location, you guys. We're in Barnes & Nobles. We just picked a corner and literally just, you know, started doing this podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that you guys keep listening. We have, um, I think two more stories from other Latin American countries and I'm very, very excited. I feel like I might do this series again with like a different context. It could be, you know, um, I don't know, happy stories from Latin America, (laughs) something like that. But definitely, I really, I, I, I'm excited about this, um, storytelling series and I hope that you guys like it too. So Thank you guys for tuning in and um, uh, hopefully you guys tune in next week as well. Bye.